Kendra is a bit of a gigglepuss. Folks, this is True Crime Tuesday. Thank you for watching Failure to Stop. We're going to break down a real-life case about someone who committed murder in the 20th century. I love 20th century true crime cases. Kendra, will you please, please shut the fuck up. Please stop laughing, for the love of God. All right, let's do the show. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. What's up, Gideon Wolfpack? This is Failure to Stop, the number one podcast platform where we entertain and inform first responders like you. We weird out and depress our friends and family. My name is John. I'm an M1 dispatch in the field. Joining me as always is my ex-wife, Kendra. Kendra, you do not need to shut the fuck up. I was just joking. I think your laugh is uh, infectious. I think it's very warm. I think it's very dusty. I love your laugh. Uh, normally, throughout throughout the years, your laughter has normally been at my expense. Maybe that's why my PTSD is a little bit activated. Uh, hear, hearing hearing you laugh uh, uncontrollably just uh, reminds me of every time I attempted a feat of manhood in front of you, whether that was fixing a car, uh, holding a hammer, uh, showering. You know, these are the occasions when you would laugh the hardest. So it was just uh, hard to go back to that. Folks, uh, this is true crime. Uh, Kendra is a former sheriff's deputy. Uh, it's also a longstanding failure to stop tradition here that our true crime girl has uh, terrible, terrible camera problems. We are working on that right now. We have actually attempted multiple solutions to bring Kendra to full resolution. Bear with us as we continue that uh, that futile process of getting her to where she needs to be. <laughs> It'll we will shell out, we'll shell out a few more thousand dollars, but uh, most of you are just listening, so you can't even tell that Kendra is essentially a pixelated cloud of color, uh, which is how I remember her in my fondest memories. Kendra, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm trying to bounce back from that um, that episode we had just before we started recording. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I could not stop laughing. And your silence was making it even worse because I knew you were disappointed in my joke. <laughs> it, just, it just snowballed and I couldn't stop. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Uh, folks, this is a true crime show where we we recall true crime. We do it from a different perspective, though, right? Like, Kendra meets certain requirements to do true crime. She loves drinking coffee with oat milk. She's got uh, sheep, sheep fluff lined Ugg boots. Um, you know, uh, loves to look at grisly pictures and stuff. But she's also a former sheriff's deputy, right? So she's investigated some crime. You know, being a crooked Southern cop, she's she's caused a few crimes in her day. Uh, she's uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of unsolved cases uh, down there in uh, Okaboji are uh, because of her. So uh, a lot of people got into that lake at the point of a gun from Kendra. You know, I don't know. What? Lake? What? what lake are you saying? Okokajobi. What's the name of that lake? Okeechobee. I said it right the first time. Anyway. Yeah. So Kendra, Kendra is different. So she knows a little bit about police investigation. Is she a detective? No. Will she ever make detective? No. But she was a cop, which is slightly. Well, you won't make detective, will you? I won't. You're not wrong. No. Yeah. 
I won't make detective either, folks, because I'm not a cop. I'm just a 911 dispatcher. A lot of times, true crime cases will have a 911 element in it, or they should. Like, say the Delphi murders. I don't know why those girls didn't dial 911 instead of opening Snapchat. Uh, if you're raising children, raise them to dial 911 at appropriate times. Uh, like, if they crash their car, don't have them call you first. Have them call 911. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we've got a, a cool case. We're going to talk about a 20th century murder, like I said. Uh, 20th century is where it's at. I'm very old school. This is an interesting one. This case was actually brought forward to us by what you might call an interested third party. Joining the show from uh, another podcast is uh, Jake uh, Motherfucker Welder. I'm sorry for his middle name, particularly if your child just heard that and I didn't give you a warning. His name is uh, its a family name. It's also Welsh and it's a typo. So there's he's got a couple things going on there. He attempted to change his name in the court. The clerk of court threw him out of there. Jake, how are you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm doing well. I just finished an extra uh, 12-hour shift, so I was a little little behind on uh, watching my YouTube shows, my favorite podcasts, but it's good to be with you guys here today on my day off, and uh, making Kendra giggle is always the highlight. We were, we were uh, talking just before the show, inappropriately as always. So I can't wait for you guys to... Uh to get together and figure it all out. Um, so we're going to talk an interesting case today. Jake, if you don't know this, he works at a prison in the American Southwest, but we're going to be talking the case of Charles Harrelson, a hitman who uh, killed the first, uh, assassinated the first federal judge of the 20th century. I think that applies that other federal judges uh, were assassinated before and after that, but he's what you call a character. Uh, he's someone uh, a little bit larger than life, this Charles Harrelson. Uh, here's a his mugshot. Uh, so uh, he got he has that cool haircut. If he looks familiar to you and he sounds familiar to you, uh, it's possible that you may know his son Woody Harrelson, who starred on Cheers, True Detective, No Country for Old Men. He's done a lot of things. Uh, he does look similar to his son, also oh, seen boy. here <laughs> uh, from the '80s in a mugshot from being arrested in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Honestly, uh, Woody Harrelson's one of my favorite actors. I think he could do comedy well and he could do serious acting well. He was in um, Zombieland and some other things. Really good actor. Uh, one of the roles he appeared in, I think I mentioned No Country for Old Men, he appears as a hitman in that movie as uh, Carson Wells, who uh, is assassinated by the bigger bad guy in that movie. But it's also based on a book which mentions... Uh, Woody Harrelson's father, not by name, but by deed of assassinating that federal judge. Jake and I were just talking about that for the show. How interesting to me that is that my favorite book, one of my favorite movies would well, deeply involve the Harrelsons. But I'm going to kick it off to Kendra as the resident true crime girl. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you guys uh, to open up the cases. Tell, start telling us uh, uh, biographical details and stories about <laughs> Charles Harrelson. Let's start at the beginning, Kendra. Well, I was going to ask you uh, what your favorite Woody Harrelson movie is, but I think I know it's No Country for Old Men. Is that correct? It is, but he's he plays he plays a, a, a sort of an inconsequential figure in that one. He plays a, a hitman who tries to uh, he, he does evil deeds, but he really does it as a business person. Like he's not an evil guy. Like at one point, you could tell he's kind of trying to bail out Llewellyn Moss out of his situation, and and uh, he's not true evil and. The, the the kind of the parable of the book and the movie is is how evil doesn't ever stop and count the cost of its actions, how evil's more resolute than good. 
the sheriff and the and this bad guy in this movie are it seems like they're building up towards a confrontation that ultimately never happens because uh the people in this world that are good uh they're too coward they're too cowardly uh so it's one of my favorite books one of my favorite movies he appears in it as just sort of a, a side figure but uh, i do love him in many things i think uh i think he was in i'm going to take a leap here because i think he was in this movie but um Jake, do you remember that Netflix movie where it was about Bonnie and Clyde, The Highwayman? I think it was mm -hmm. him with Kevin Costner. Yeah. Uh, that was truly, truly good. Uh, so I, I like Woody Harrelson. I even I loved him back on Cheers. So it just he really has a lot of range. I think he's a cool guy. He's a little bit too liberal for me, but he's at least an interesting liberal. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to hear about his his dad. So let's forget Woody and talk Charles. <laughs> All right. Um... Well. I think you, I think my favorite Woody Harrelson movie was uh, After the Sunset, and it's not just because of Woody Harrelson's uh, chops, but also it has uh, the James Bond of my youth, Pierce Brosnan, and then um, the uh, beautiful, as always, Selma Hayek, which was the, really the highlight of that movie. So kind of overshadowed Woody Harrelson a little bit, although he, he did have his moments. I was never a big I was never a big uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan fan. Uh, for me, it was Timothy Dalton was my guy. But whatever, I don't want to get into the weeds in this. Kendra, what's your favorite uh, Woody Harrelson movie? <laughs> I really like The Highwaymen, and also, um, obviously, because I'm a weirdo, I like Natural Born Killers a lot. And Cheers, which was, isn't a movie, but that was good. Yeah, Natural Born Killers is a very odd, <clears throat> like surreal type movie if you've never watched it you should it's very interesting um kind of reminds me of like a rob zombie meets quentin tarantino almost it's very strange yeah not not quite eli roth but a little little more artsy than that yes yes very much okay so um like john said let's talk about the reason we're here which is um charles Boyd Harrelson, Woody Harrelson's dad, and allegedly Matthew McConaughey's dad too, but what? we don't know that yet. <laughs> are they <laughs> brothers? No. They think they are. They think they're half brothers. Well, they were together in True Detective. Couldn't they have figured it out? <laughs> Use their detective skills. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're hey, man, are, are, you, are we brothers? You know? <laughs> I guess they're going to do a DNA test or something, but who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but he was born in good old 1938, an American <laughs> contract killer, an organized crime figure. Kendra, go ahead. <laughs> For the third time. <clears throat> he was born in uh, a place called Love Lady, Texas, which I thought was kind of cool, so I included that in there. Um, he was, there's not a lot about his early life, um, pro probably because it was the 40s and 50s, and he didn't come into infamy until later in his life, but he worked as an encyclopedia salesman and he was also a professional gambler which is interesting um i don't really know what that means <laughs> i think but, it just means you, you make your money that way you don't have a job at all you literally stay in the hotel and you go out and you work for a living you know from from four to two or whatever and you just yeah. uh, all your money comes from that and yeah, and you regularly deal out uh, the aces and eights, the dead man's hand, when you're when you're playing poker, obviously. Obviously, I don't know what any of that means, but I'll take your word. You for don't it. you don't know about aces and eights? <laughs> I don't know anything about poker. 
Uh, well, where, where was that? Where was that at, Jake? That was in Deadwood. Who was it? The guy that got killed there? Well, uh, I, all I say is uh, you uh, liquor in front, poker in back. I thought that that was pretty much uh, universal. Uh, that may have been in Deadwood. I started that show, but I didn't get very far into it, John. So sorry. Well, it wasn't just a show. It was about an actual guy. I'm trying to remember. Uh, what was the guy's name who got killed With after playing that hand? Yeah. I'll have to, I'd have to look Wild it up. Bill Hickok. That's who it was. <laughs> Folks, I'm sorry for not knowing my my Western rogues assassinated after playing poker. It was out in Deadwood. Wild Bill Hickok is a is a, uh, a frontiersman and kind of a mythological figure. I don't know why we're talking about him instead of Charles Harrelson, but that's a poker thing. All right. So thank you for that horrible joke, Jake. Charles Harrelson, professional gambler, organized crime figure, and hitman. And encyclopedia salesman. Uh, he lived pretty much on the down low until he was about 23 when he was uh, charged with armed robbery. Uh, tried to look into that case, but I couldn't find much on it other than he served five months for it. Um, he got out. Um, he was married to Woody Harrelson's mother. And Diana Lou Oswald was her name. In 1968. Oswald, huh? Yeah, I know. Well, that's interesting because later... Yeah, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> in 1968, um, Charles left that family and went on to commit his first known murder. This was um, believed to have been a hit on a man named Alan Berg. Um, the speculation is that it was some sort of revenge killing where he was Harrelson was hired to kidnap and kill this guy by one of Berg's employee employees over something at work. Do you know anything more about that? I tried to find a little bit more about that case. Uh, no, I mean, it sounds like a lot of his, um, his associates and stuff were involved in uh, gambling, the drug trade and things like that. So it's, it's very possible that it could be, um, it's a little bit of speculation. There wasn't anything official on it, but it, it's those types of people are the ones that he was hanging out with. So it's possible that the the work dealings and, you know, what their jobs are, like you alluded to with the professional gambling. Um, he was known as a professional gambler, but he possibly made um, a lot of money from killing people or uh, roughing them up. So um, it's it's one of those things it's it, it wasn't very a lot of the stuff is pretty murky it's not yeah. super clear yeah he did also confess to being involved in dozens of murders when he was arrested for the armed robbery i don't know how true that is or if he was just trying to get street cred or what the extent of his involvement is but yeah that, that would make sense i mean if you're in that that world and going from zero to hitman doesn't really make a lot of sense so he probably was doing that kind of stuff um harrelson was acquitted of that charge in uh, 1970 because his defense attorney completely obliterated some state's witnesses and made their uh, testimony very unreliable so he was acquitted of that <clears throat> um he killed a second man i believe in the same year 1968 yep um yeah, he, he killed a man named Sam DeGelia Jr. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, Sam, Sam was a local grain dealer and he, well, that was his day job. I'm sure there were other things going on, but he went missing on, I believe a Saturday. He told his friends that he was going to go meet some guy that was interested in buying grain from him in a parking lot of a diner, which is kind of suspicious to begin with. Um, the next Thursday, after he was reported missing, his friend that he told he was going to go meet this guy, he found his vehicle at this diner. Law enforcement came, and they located his body in a pump house like three miles away from where his vehicle was. He was found with a couple of gunshot wounds, and he was identified because he was he had his ID on him and all this stuff. Um, so Harrelson was... He was arrested for this crime, and he said he was paid $2,000 for the murder. I, I think that translates to, like, I think I read it was, like, $6,500 now. No, yes. it must be more than that. Maybe, but it's still not worth it in any event. No. <laughs> um, his accomplice, there was, he had an accomplice named Pete Scamardo. And he was found guilty and sentenced to seven years probation. I'm assuming that's the guy that hired him to carry out this kidnap and murder. Probably. Yeah. For So for Harrelson's trial, it ended in a deadlock jury, mm -hmm. but they ended up retrying him in 73, in which he was convicted. He sentenced to 15 years in prison, and that's the end of old Charles Harrelson. Wait! He was released for good behavior and granted parole in 1978. So fantastic. We've got a contract killer already killed two people and uh, we're gonna let him go it just sounds like a like modern society but this is quite a while ago and this is what would set him on the course uh, to murder judge john h wood yeah i'm going through these pretty quick because there's uh obviously the the murder of the judge is kind of like the big highlight what made him pretty famous or judges infamous. are more important than regular people and we should <laughs> skip past the the father of four in McAllen, texas uh, made in the image of God who was wasted from this earth over a matter of a few dollars. Let's get to the judge, this important person. Okay. So just a year after he was paroled from that, from Sam DeGalia's murder, um, he was accused of the murder of federal judge John Wood. Um, John Wood was a district judge um, in Texas he was shot to death outside of his town home. And in connection to this, um, the, the way that they came about apprehending um, Harrelson for this was that people were calling and saying that he was high and shooting at imaginary FBI agents. Which, when I was reading it, I was trying to figure out what that would be about. But maybe it's just, maybe he was high. Or maybe he, I don't know, went into some weird delusion after he killed a federal judge. I don't know. But that's why did why did he kill him though? Was he was he contracted to do it, or why was he was the judge? Of course. Uh, okay, so he was hired by somebody to do it, right? Of course. Um. And and, and the reason for that is is this judge was pretty well known. I think they called him Maximum John, which is like yes. a name that needs to apply to me as soon as possible. By the way. <laughs> Uh, because of his reputation for handing down long sentences to even, you know, drug offenders, nonviolent offenses. I think that uh, there was a guy named uh, 
Jaimiel Chagra or Jamil Chagra. I think he was uh he was supposed to go before him the day the day before uh the judge was murdered. He was gonna go in front of him. So instead of yeah. just uh, applying uh for a change of venue or uh, trying to get on a different docket or you know pleading guilty and accepting his guilt and whatever his drug charges were he hires uh he hires Harrelson to go out and uh, kill him uh he tried to do it uh earlier but i guess the trial had been delayed so he was setting this up so he goes out and kills maximum john h wood jr this is the first federal judge killed of the 20th century allegedly um, allegedly and uh so Harrelson would uh there was apprehensive or he was apprehended uh when calls were made to the police about him firing guns at these FBI agents while he was on drugs, which just sounds like a very Harrelson thing to do. I imagine that Woody Harrelson which uh mugshot photo I showed you from uh earlier was probably a drug related thing. Uh <laughs> but there was an anonymous tip and a tape recording of a conversation that occurred uh from Chagra to his brother. Uh, which was Hemiel in prison. Uh, Harrelson was charged with George Wood's murder. Harrelson claimed that at the trial he did not kill the judge, but he took credit for it so that he could claim the the payment. So he got the, there was a setup for a murder. The judge actually died, but then he's just trying to say that he just uh, claimed that he did it so they could get the bounty on him, whatever, which is ridiculous. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting because um, Jim Jamil Hemiel. Himiel. I think it's a very soft J. Okay. I'm going to probably mess that up again, so I apologize to Himiel. It might even, it sounds It sounds Swedish. It might be Yamiel. <laughs> Yamiel, Yamiel Chegra. Maybe. Sounds Swedish. <laughs> well, this um, character, I think somebody called him Jimmy, too, so maybe I'll just go with Jimmy. But he was set he was in prison when this happened and he was set to go before maximum john the day that you mentioned it the day that he was murdered he was set to go to trial in front of um judge wood and it got delayed for whatever reason how come they but, didn't call him maximum wood that's actually scary that's a much better name i want i want to be called maximum wood can i change it to maximum wood sure you can't give yourself you know, your own you can't give yourself your own nickname john well, no one will give me one like no one will give me one that's why i don't look at the bottom screen i don't even right. have a name well, Kendra, and well jake nothing for me and <laughs> what was interesting too was he the judge was shot from a grassy knoll so oh interesting. Uh, it, it's, it's it's hard to tell you know, he was in the parking lot it's he was a, a slow moving target it's it's hard to tell uh, who exactly carried out this assassination if it was uh, actually Mr. Harrelson or not, Mr. Charles Harrelson. It's possible uh, that it could have been the FBI or uh, other interested parties. We keep kind of tiptoeing around it with the reference to Oswald and the grassy knoll. Mm -hmm. uh, when he was having this, this standoff before his apprehension for the murder in which he was strung out on cocaine, uh, he was making certain claims about uh, having been involved or being the guy that killed John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. uh, he la he later recanted that statement, saying, "Like, first of all, I was high on, I was high on coke, but uh, I was trying to elongate my life." Meaning, he was really hoping to not get sniped in that situation. 
he thought if he could present some sort of compelling evidence that he was involved in that case, that, you know, maybe that they would try harder to not just kill him and to take him into custody. Because, of course, you know, America's greatest mystery, a great, America's greatest tragedy has has been the assassination of John F. K., uh, John F. Kennedy. It's the greatest uh, conspiracy of, of all time in the history of our country. And I could see where maybe when it was a more recent event, people would try to kind of claim a connection to that. But what's interesting is that there's actually a photo of these three guys. They're called the Three Tramps. Uh, they were photographed by several Dallas area newspapers, and they were being escorted by police. This was near the Texas School Book Depository right after the assassination of the president in 1963. Since the mid-60s, there's been some allegations about the identities of these men and their involvement. Like, why are they being escorted by police? Uh, they were literally, or they were later identified as Gus Abrams, Harold Doyle, and, and John Gidney. But there's been some thoughts that maybe uh, that's not their true identities. There's been so many lies and so many things that have gone on with the Kennedy assassination. I mean, look at the look at the autopsy photos of, G of John F. Kennedy, which you can actually find through open sources on the Internet. And you could tell that it doesn't really correspond to what you've been told about from the Warren Commission and other sources that it was one guy taking a shot. Uh, the angles are all wrong. It just doesn't make sense. But uh, photograph experts have said that one of these three tramps was possibly Charles Harrelson and that he was one of the guys out on the grassy knoll, like Jake just mentioned. And so I know we know he's a bit of a character with us with killing these two guys and then, you know, finally doing something that we won't abide, which is killing a federal judge. That's just a, a step too far, apparently. But, uh, you know, if he was involved in organized crime and the allegation often is with organized crime is that they were involved with some kind of splinter group in the government or one hand was washing the other or uh, maybe a law enforcement agency had something on these organized crime figures and was willing to let them skate and if they were going to be helpful in Dealey Plaza. So, you know, was he involved in that? Was that a card he played to save his life that was made up or was it because he was actually involved? You know, I don't know. I, if you go and you look at the pictures of the three tramps, you can decide for yourself and compare to to uh, Charles Harrelson and see if you think that it's it's one of them but or or was he just simply playing a role I well I mean there's so many guys you know <laughs> Oswald obviously say he was he was a patsy but you know it's it's possible I mean for me my theory has always been when it comes to the assassination like there's so much about the assassination of JFK that doesn't make sense like uh Apparently, there had been a previous attempt that had been thwarted, or there was, or the Secret Service, the first black Secret Service agent assigned to the presidential security detail was later arrested. And, um, you know, Kennedy said he didn't even know what the CIA was up to. I think, I think if you're going to make a serious attempt to kill the president, I think you have more than one plan and you're not going to leave it all up to one guy uh, who was not even a really great marksman in the Army or, excuse me, the Marine Corps. Uh, to make that shot. So I think there's probably there's probably a lot of different elements even possibly acting independently. So it's possible that someone talked to Charles Harrelson about it at one point, possibly set him up to do it. He may have even been in the grassy knoll. He might have been armed. But you got to remember, Kennedy's in a moving car. And so the the opportunity for him to be a target is constantly changing. And if you have different people set up along the route, Everyone's going to have a different window of opportunity. Well, if he was if he was assassin C and assassin B had already completed the job, whether you think assassin B was the driver of the car or Oswald himself 
or some other third party. You know, obviously Harrelson might he might have been contracted to kill the president and he just never got never got to take the shot because the work was already done. So I don't know. I mean, that's a, a, almost a, a whole big question that you could go on forever and go down endless right. rabbit holes. But this isn't Sunday night. Why are we talking about John F. Kennedy? Well, it would have been a uh, classic L-shaped ambush, uh, which was a military tactic, if if uh, if that had happened. Um, but also, um, what got me about the the thing? You can watch the movie JFK if you want to know what really happened. Obviously, uh, that fictionalization is a hundred percent accurate. Um, but also, uh, the magic bullet that went everywhere and then didn't deform at all—that's what gets me the most. About they f- they found it on the floor in the hospital and it wasn't deformed in any way, and yet it went through at least two people and changed direction several times. So, uh, yes, yeah. the the pristine bullet, and uh, also you know the fact that. Uh, they had somebody conducting the autopsy who had never done one before. You know, this is the president <laughs> of the United States, and you're just going to find you're going to find some guy like, hey, just just cut him up and figure out what the hell happened to him. Uh, I, I I firmly believe that the Warren Commission was going around and appealing to uh, people in the age of uh, the Red Scare of communism, maybe not at its height in the 60s, but maybe after the Cuban Missile Crisis, it was. But just saying, hey, the, you know, this is for the good of your country is to say that this is what happened. And I could see very much people being, uh, I mean, do you remember how this country was after 9-11? Like everyone's mentality was very different. We were very pro-government at the time. Uh, we tended to believe the government had our best interests at heart. I think uh, I think after a shocking assassination like JFK's, I think I think if the government goes around saying like, hey, like this doesn't look good for your country, this looks bad. And for the good of your country to protect, you know, further problems you should just say this i mean it happened again with nixon right like after watergate ford pardoned him because it's like you know nixon's out of office and this is still all we can talk about we have got we have got to move past this uh for the good of the country and that's something that vivek ramaswamy is talking about with trump and january sixers that you know even though that was uh years ago now we're still talking about it still dominating the news cycle still still affecting the country and i could see if Somehow he or a like-minded person was elected president. I could see them handing out pardons. So I think there's a, I think there's a, a certain mentality of for the good of your country, let's clean up this mess. And I think that's what happened uh, after JFK. But I know that I'm a little bit in the weeds here, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with Charles Harrelson. But if he was willing to throw that out, you know, Kendra, this is something that's interesting for you as a police officer. You know, one of the exceptions to the uh, hearsay rule, federal rules of evidence, is a dying declaration. Like, if people think they're about to die, the things that they say are generally admissible in court. We know he's high on cocaine. We know he's a bit of a character. But if he thought he was about to be, he was about to be sniped, so he thought that maybe he could save his life by saying, "Hey, I know something about JFK." Does that tend to make you think that he's just full of shit, or does it tend to make you think that maybe he knew something that he could have talked about? Uh, with somebody like this, it kind of sounds like it feels more like it's he's just full of shit. I don't, I don't think that he wasn't. I'm not saying that he was lying completely, but the reasoning behind why he would say it, yeah, I think he just wanted to spare his own, his own life, and maybe exaggerated his involvement. Like Jake was saying, you know, he he was probably there, and he was a hired or contracted hitman to to be like, you know, uh, if the first one doesn't work, you know, just be in a different position but never actually took a shot or at least not v shot you know but he's going to take credit for it so that he can get a lighter sentence or they don't kill him or whatever because he knows if he is a contracted 
um, hitman for the government. He knows how that goes. He knows they're just going to kill him. You know? Yeah, generally, generally blackmailing the government doesn't work out for you, Jeffrey Epstein. No. So, you know, sometimes you have to be very careful about uh, the claims that you make. But if you thought it was going to die anyway, I just know that sometimes inmates will run off at the mouth and they'll they'll say things. That was kind of my experience dealing directly with with criminal people is that they'll talk and talk and talk and talk just to buy time. But yeah. it's interesting to think that he might have had something to do with it. Yeah, he he did. Des he described himself as one of the three. Right on the, right, the, the grassy knoll so the, i mean the, the three tramps yeah yeah and there's some sources that say that he was just saying that to fluff up his own resume or help his street cred but yeah I well if, if you're going to prison the rest of your life that definitely helps i think we yeah. mentioned last week on a show that there was someone who tried to take credit for the austin yogurt shop murders where it was a ser serial killer saying yeah i took care of i killed those four girls in austin as well and and so they ask him for any details on it. He goes, like, well, I definitely diced them all up. And they're like, yeah, they were they were stacked and burned. They weren't diced up. So, you know, sometimes that infamy is something that uh, people like him uh, will try to pursue. The other thing that to me that's interesting about it is, you know, if he really was wrapped up in the assassination, if he had information, I think they would have killed him. And I think they would have had a chance because for the for the murder of this federal judge, he ends up going uh, to a federal penitentiary in atlanta i believe and he uh, attempts escape there the atlanta federal penitentiary with a makeshift rope him and gary settle and michael rivers uh, they attempted escape this is back in 1995 and uh they fired a warning shot at him which is not at all how correctional officers are taught how to prevent escape jake i don't know if that's how it is at your facility I, you don't typically shoot people anyway because a lot of them are, are pre-adjudication but uh this is what got him transferred into uh, federal custody, ADX Florence, which is one of the most secure prisons in the world. On our Hard Time podcast, we actually discussed uh, a lot of the world's uh, most infamous prisons. Somehow ADX Florence made the list. Uh, they were saying about how it was one of the worst prisons on earth. And it's like, we found out that like they're allowed to play bingo, and if they win, they get chocolate bars. So it's like, how does that... <laughs> Compared to like a Rwanda prison where people are forced to stand up 24 hours a day and they're getting gangrene and having to saw off their own limbs and cannibalize each other. I don't really get how those two compare, but I think it was a British, a British news agency that was doing the article. So, of course, they have to criticize the United States a little bit. But uh, after uh, he went over to ADX Florence in Colorado, he was telling a friend of his uh, that uh, he really likes being in prison. And that uh, he enjoys the the peace and quiet, uh, you know, ADX being a supermax and being in your cell, you know, 23 hours a day. You get a lot of peace and quiet. It's a nice neighborhood there in uh, ADX Florence. Yeah, they're not allowed to talk or talk or talk to each other. So it's very quiet. Yeah, very quiet. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who actually enjoy life in prison. I think once you're institutionalized, I think it becomes fine for you. I think Manson was one of those people where because he was um, being put in prison at a very young age. He didn't know how to function uh, in an open system where he can make any decision he wants for himself and he has no structure and no one telling him what to do. And, you know, being a psychopath and having no moral center and having not being shaped by normal, normal societal forces like get a job or go hungry, you know, when he's happy to kill and kill rather than starve. I think he enjoyed being in prison. And uh, it's, it, I think Harrelson might have been one of those that just enjoyed it. But uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, the life he's led. I know that uh, his wife at one point also had uh, conspiracy charges too for the assassination of the judge. 
but this was a different person than Woody Harrelson's mom, I believe. Yeah, she, um, Harrelson was married to three different women. Um, Woody Harrelson's mom, I believe, was his second wife. His first one, she he had no children with, and I think he was just married to for a short while. And but the the third wife, um, which is kind of weird because so he went he went to prison on the murder where he only served um, five years. And he got out and like immediately committed this murder of a um, federal judge. But when he went to prison, when he committed the murder of Degalia, he was had just left um, Woody Harrelson's mom. So I don't know if he got married while he was in prison or what that situation was. But yes, um, his wife that he was with her name was joanne she was arrested and sentenced to 25 years for perjury and a conspiracy charge so she must have known what was going on and um, covered for him or whatever Uh, him and his he had an accomplice also which was jameel's brother joe who was on the outside and uh their phone conversation their recorded phone conversation in prison is in anonymous tips is ultimately what led to um harrelson being charged with it with the murder you have to wonder about the anonymous tip as well um i don't know there's so so many people are snitches you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how common that is particularly can can that be my uh, nickname anonymous tip no you already (laughs) your whole persona is a nickname you have you have have the f word in your you don't get it. No. And you, by the way, I think you gave that to yourself. So <laughs> that's a bunch of bullshit right there. Maximum John does not approve of that. So <laughs> um, I had a question for you two since um, with the prison escape, when I was reading about it, it said that they, they were hiding out in Harrelson and his two accomplices. They were hiding out in the yard until the sun went down and that's how they were able to uh scale try to scale this wall um how does that happen how do three inmates just like stay outside all day into the night and not well what you're forgetting the most important part is how do you how do you one hide in a field i asked you a few weeks ago how does one hide in a hallway i know that we had uh, someone who attempted to to do that uh we were i think we were talking about that on hard time actually someone who escaped from court and was hiding in an apartment complex hallway. Uh, Kendra, I know that you're a hunter. I know that you have killed many, many fawns illegally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know how fawns kind of bed down and kind of become like uh, invisible? Mm-hmm. That's probably what they did. You think they all curled up and just... Cuddling, yeah. <laughs> Cuddling out in the yard. It's a bad prison if, you, if you're able to spend all day out in the yard. Now, there's certain hours of the day where inmates are walking around. They'll walk from the complex in which they are they sleep and whatever, and they'll go out to shops where they work, whether it's the license plate shop, the braille shop, the book bindery. But generally, you know, you're supposed to have counts like every two hours where all the inmates return to their cell and an officer physically accounts for them and matches up their presence with a photo of them that's attached to their door, in my experience. Um you know, I don't know. Uh, we, how, how does it happen? How does Epstein get killed? I mean, you know, things things go wrong sometimes. Prisons are run different ways. I don't know how someone can spend all day in a yard and then and then making an attempt after night falls. 
on hard time, we've covered a couple of escapes that seemingly to me should have been impossible. So I guess I'll let Jake answer as well. But to me, the answer is, is that you figure out whatever the routine is. You figure out however, which officers and where can be, have weaknesses that can be exploited, whether it's in their character or just in their habits or routines or their desire to enforce the rules or their conscientiousness. But obviously they, they found an opportunity where they could, they could be somewhere where they weren't supposed to be and that they could get away with, uh, with, with being there without being called to account for their whereabouts. And then they went for it. Jake, uh, despite making Sergeant has allowed over 150 inmates to successfully escape from his custody. So I guess, Jake, what have you been seeing in the field as you have been lazily correcting people? I've given up on correcting people. Uh, now I, I just kind of look at them with derision instead. Uh, but, uh, can they but even yeah. tell through your sunglasses and beard when you're dividing them visually? Uh, usually, <laughs> usually it's uh, the prison is better well lit than my, my little studio here. I bet uh, you have really pointy cheekbones that point little accusations mm. at them, and it just really hurts them. <laughs> just it's the strong jaw, I think, that intimidates them. That's underneath, which is weird because it's underneath the beard, but mm. um, it's just a continuation. The cleft chin, I think, it just it's like a, it's like a concealed gun. I don't have a chin mm. at all, actually. Uh, mm. I never. That's why I never turn to the side on this show. Because it would show you that it's actually from my bottom lip, it goes straight down to my neck. Yeah, there's literally we, nothing there. We could tell from the target days and uh, when you were clean shaven for the for the jail. Uh, I I did answer, I believe, on that hard time how you hide in a hallway. You hide like Spider Man. You just put yourself, put your arms up against the the various Kendra, walls. Spider Man was that the answer you were looking for? Yeah, that was a really long winded way to just say Spider Man. And 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 then uh, it's a it's a multi prong thing I think for them to try to be able to get out in the because like I've discussed before like did they have the rope on them and they weren't checked before they went out or did each person have a portion of the rope or something or was the rope out there and hidden were they possibly crafting it is that is that their job was to make a rope in the rec yard uh, I doubt I doubt that was the case so this makeshift rope. How did they get a hold of that? Um, there's a lot of questions on exactly how that went, but like like John said, it's a it's a complicated thing of who's working, who's not paying attention, you know, who's having a bad day. Is there somebody new or somebody who's just lazy? And um, inmates are really really good at picking up those sort of things. Um, they're also good at trying to figure out who has weaknesses um, that they can exploit as far as um, monetarily or, uh, appealing, trying to appeal to someone. Um, I think John, you talked about, uh, being in the yard once and people being like, Oh, you don't hang out with the other officers. Why aren't you talking to them? You know, they're trying to see if they're, if they, if you need a friend and that's who they can exploit, you know, that's, it's very common. Um, that and, but, and I went on to become very good friends actually. Yeah. I think you're still pen pals to this day. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and the, the warning shot also gets me. I don't, I don't get to shoot people, um, yeah. at the, at the county jail that I work at. Um, unfortunately, at least on the clock, I don't get to shoot anyone. So no. if I do that, normally I have when, to do it in my Normally own when you're off duty, you shoot them and then you just bury them out back uh, in the potter's field out there. 
Yeah, uh, there's a lot of desert. I mean, there really are just a missing person without a body, or uh, I I don't mark it with a pipe. Desert so keeps it. Why would desert you do that? keeps it. Yeah, why would you do that? Desert keeps its <laughs> secrets, folks. If you don't understand the whole like people just dis- being disappeared and being buried behind the prison, I guess I encourage you to. Uh, listen to the episodes uh, dropping this week of Hard Time because we discussed that on the show. Uh, so what ended up happening to old old Charles Harrelson? Is he still out there? Is he friends with Woody? Like, how did that all <laughs> end? friends with Woody. <laughs> um, Charles was sentenced to two life terms for that, for killing did, the federal did, judge. Which... Did he ever get parole for good behavior? No. That mean... he was... So he has seven more lives left? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is, he, is he a is he a cat? I'm sorry. Is that the actual joke here, Jake? Is you have to yes. go. If that was the joke. You can do better. Yeah, I I can. I'll. You, I'll you're I'll, now I'll... on probation, and I think you understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> he's muted himself. He, he's <laughs> he's, he's, funny. Like, he's like I won't tell any more jokes. I'm done. Uh, I, I I was reading about it, and uh, I guess Woody Woody Harrelson, the famous actor, isn't quite sure what to make out of his dad. Mm-hmm. He uh, would go visit him in federal prison, and he described uh, his father as uh, being very well-read, very articulate and charming, which doesn't surprise me at all because, like, Woody honestly comes across that way. He comes across as someone who's pretty charming, even when he's patting his tears away with $100 bills in that meme. Uh, but uh, he says, you know, he doesn't know if his father was really worthy of, of the kind of father-son relationship. Uh, I don't think he had a lot of animosity for him, but it's really hard when your dad is like, when your dad's a contract killer who killed a judge and two other people and maybe the president is like, you know, what do you make out of him? Like, I have a hard enough time understanding what my relationship with my father is. And he, to my knowledge, he never killed anybody. So it's father-son relationships are tough, but I think uh, he viewed him as someone that was really possibly more of a friend than a father. I don't think he was that close to him. Uh, in he, 2007, he was. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it, Kendra. If you're about to, if you're about to say his final disposition. No, well, I was just going to say that um, one of the things that Woody Harrelson tried to do, he tried to advocate for, for Charles because, um, later on, uh, Jimmy, Jamil, Jamal. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Yamiel, Yamiel Changra. He, I think I think he's in, I think he's Indian from India. Yamiar Chakra. <laughs> like, Jimmy, we just call him Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy John. Um, he said that he actually Harrelson actually wasn't involved, and that his claim that he just took credit for it was true. Um, so Woody tried to get his father's conviction overturned, but while he was in the process of doing that in 2007. Um, Charles Harrison did pass away in prison. He was found in his cell. Um, he was autopsied, and the coroner said that it was uh, severe coronary artery disease, and he likely passed away in his sleep. He was he was older. I think he was well, he was born in thirty. So I'm not even going to try to do math. It was a bunch of years, guys. Yeah, he was a bunch of years old, and he died basically of a heart attack in his sleep. Before let's he was open up. To go to trial. Let's open up wild speculation round. Kendra, do you think that Charles watched Cheers every Thursday night on NBC inside the prison <laughs> so that he could connect with his son? I think it's very possible. Um... <laughs> Jake, I want to ask you this question. 
Woody Harrelson was added to the cast in season five. Before that, uh, the absent bartender Ernie Pantuso was sort of the lovable oaf. Who did you like better? Uh, I only saw a few episodes of the show. I was I didn't follow uh, that very closely. Kendra, did you watch Frasier? I yes, I am a fan of Frasier. Did you see the episode with Woody? Yes, I did. <laughs> you watching the Frasier reboot? No, I feel like reboots always ruin it for me. I have a lot of nostalgia and Cheers, Frasier, Roseanne, um, Green Acres, Andy Griffith, like all those shows. I uh, grew up watching those, and they're just nostalgic for me. So anytime there's like reboots of these shows, I'm like, I don't watch them because I don't want it to ruin. I wanted to ruin it for me. I I agree. It's always hard when you've got like a classic show uh, that's kind of iconic and groundbreaking, and then uh, and then you know uh, changes happen. You know, in the case of Cheers, Shelley Long left the show around you know season whatever it was, and uh, it's always hard when uh, whether it's through casting changes or reboots, all of a sudden a classic show is now starring a completely different cast of people. And you're like, where's Andrea? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, folks. This show, Kendra left. She's gone. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I just wanted to point out maybe some inherent hypocrisy of us uh, saying that reboots are continuations and we're not worthy of our time when, you know, you and I are hearing a flame lit by Mike the cop you know, years ago. So, uh, no. Right. Yeah. And you could be, you could be like a fan of the classic mission impossible show. And then you wonder why you're watching a movie. That's all about Tom Cruise and not about the, the team coming together to figure it out. You know? Uh, uh I love, I love, I love that movie. And Jim Phelps was in the first one. It's just, they made him into a bad guy. And that was yeah. something that I, I couldn't abide. I, I loved, I actually loved the mission impossible movies. And I know that's uh, why I brought it up. Just, just to, just to poke you. Yeah. I don't know why you are the way you are. Kendra, do you like Tom Cruise? Uh, he gives me the heebie jeebies, but I like some of his movies. You ever seen that picture of him that shows that his, one of his incisors is perfectly down the middle of his face. Yeah. Whenever I watch Tom Cruise movies, I'm like secretly looking at his teeth to see if I could see the weird chopper because his his face is not, his teeth are kind of offset. I don't know. Why did I bring that up? His teeth were really (laughs) bad before he got um, really rich and... Before Scientology. Before Scientology. I wasn't going to say it, but before Scientology. (laughs) Now we're canceled. (laughs) Being from Florida, there's like a big... um, We're like way off in the weeds here, but it is what it is. Uh, this is our show. We can talk about whatever we want. You're damn right. I also can't. Apparently, I can. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so there's a huge, like, Scientology community. Stop laughing at me. It's not funny. <laughs> uh, We're now joined by Leah Remini. <laughs> there's a really big, yeah, there's a big uh, community in Clearwater Beach. And I have family over there. And every time we'd go through there. We would just drive down the streets. They have like their own little town next to the giant skyscraper like headquarters that they have there. And they're all dressed in black suits. Um, and the the town is, there's nothing. It's like a ghost town. 
but they have their operations and stuff down there and like recruiting offices and stuff and it's very creepy They're and like if robots. you if you want to see more on that then you need to watch the uh completely true dude where's my car gets into lord xenu and the specifics of scientology and if you live in a ghost town you probably sleep on a ghost bed show this folks this show is brought to you by ghost bed ghost bed's a wonderful company that makes mattresses and beds and they support failure to stop in the form of financial remuneration for the reading of this ad. If you want to support failure to stop, then support GhostBed for that reason. Go over to the website, use the offer code Wolfpack. You can save up to forty percent using that code. But folks, right now, I think, I think right now is there like President's Day is coming up or something. We all know that George Washington fought at the Battle of Trenton and Valley Forge uh, for a better mattress deal. So, in honor of uh, George Washington. We fighting for more reasonable mattress uh, discounts. We want to save this year, folks, uh, in honor of, of George Washington, our great president. So go over there. I think you could save up to 50%, possibly through Valentine's Day. I could see a reason why uh, a mattress company might be trying harder to sell you a more comfortable mattress sometime between now and the, what is, quote, unquote, the most romantic day of the year. I do not know about that. I have no love in my life anymore. But go over there. Use the offer code Wolfhack. Tell them that failure to stop sent you. Even if you don't want to buy a whole mattress or a bed, you can go over there and get a cooling technology pillow. And um, you can uh, go over there, use that offer code, 0% down, 0% financing. Even if you have the credit of Jake's joke writers, you can go over there and you can get a discount on a mattress. And of course, we love, we love GhostBed because unlike every other American mattress company, GhostBed's the only one that makes their mattresses. And the good old... USA. 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 You. You. US. The Jake. United States of America. Man, this is it, folks. <sighs> uh, we all hate that. We're all sick of it. That, that's the end of that guy's end of an era right there. All right. So uh, he says every week. He <laughs> says it every week. Yeah. Jake uh, also stars on our Thursday show, Illegal Shift, and some of you may be knowing that right now I am spending most of my most of my time curled up in a ball in bed. But when I'm not doing that and and avoiding the harshness of real life and of certain uh, playoff outcomes, I am also eating my feelings. If you want to eat your feelings, go over to Factor Meals. You can use the offer code Wolfpack50 to save 50% off. Whatever your diet plans are, I know it's still January. You're changing your life you're getting yourself straightened out you're no longer eating on a whim your diet planning your meal planning you can go over there if you're doing carb conscious stuff calorie counting this really helps you plan and uh, keeps you from making mistakes from when you're hungry because you're already planning it out in advance this stuff will be brought to your house it's delicious it's refrigerated it's made by chefs it's uh menus of over 300 meals you can go over there and check out and decide for yourself if you want a little chicken parm or you want a little salmon you, know, you could go over and treat yourself. Go over and have the food delivered to your house, reverse trick-or-treat style, and uh, help yourself uh, eat right and uh, do it in a way in which you're not uh, wasting all kinds of money like when you're going out to eat or foolishly going to a grocery store in the era of Joe Biden economics. Go over there and have food delivered to your house, folks. It's cold outside. When you get off work, when you're done being a first responder, a correction officer, a police officer, 911 dispatcher, go home. Feed yourself. Be well-fed. And uh, the best part is a, a factor meals if i haven't mentioned this before is that if you use that offer code they will give me money so go over there and use the offer code to support good old john and and uh by extension kendra and jake and others so go over there use the offer code wolfpack 
50. Factor Meals, we appreciate you for supporting us, and we're going to continue to work with you in the future. So thank you so much. Uh, also, I'll just mention this for Kiefer. His brother uh, has a bunch of stuff that's on, on auction uh, at Sloopy Auctions. If you're a Bu Ohio State Buckeyes fan, they have some memorabilia over there you can pick up. If you're a Michigan Wolverines fan, you can go over there and buy it so that you can destroy it. You can erase the physical <laughs> legacy of the Ohio State Buckeyes from the earth. Go over there and spend the money on Sloopy Auctions. That's for Kiefer. Uh, also, uh, just keeping uh, Kiefer and gang in mind, uh, Rob, over there at One More and I'm Out of Here podcast, which is kind of a friend podcast of ours. They're going through a rough time. Uh, I won't get into the specifics of it, but Rob, Rob's going through a rough time, so keep him in mind. Uh, Jacob, where can they where can they find you? Uh, well, I'm my uh, geolocation is encrypted, as you know, uh, so it's I'm very difficult to find, but also I'm very easy at the same time. So uh, now, if uh, I can be found on the Hard Time Podcast, that's where most people know me from. Uh, we I just launched uh, hardtimepodcast.com the website which gives you all oh. the links so you can go to uh if you can't remember all these links like i can't you just go there because john's adding something every week so uh spotify is our main one we also have audible amazon music and google podcasts so those links can be found on that website and also it links to my encrypted email that you can send me top secret things. Um, this this case actually was uh, sent to me by Sarah, a listener. Uh, she slid into my DMs gently um, and actually <laughs> brought this case to me. And I mentioned it to uh, Kendra and John. So thank you, Sarah, for uh, bringing us this case so that we could discuss it here on the, on the network. So um, you can get a hold of me at those various places. And other than that, um, if you just come into my Sally port, um, I feel sorry for you. Ugh, awful. Uh, I don't want you to dox that person, but I will be mad if it was Sarah Kelch last Friday. Uh, Sarah Kelch was on the show because she loves to show up to see Eric Tanzi, but she's never been in the live chats for me. Folks, if you're sick of Jake's jokes, go ahead and put a one in the in the chats if you're sick of that. Uh, Kendra, uh, if someone wanted to send a case to you for true crime, how could they do that and why? And why? Why would you? Um, you can, <laughs> how could you? There's. I have an email address. <laughs> it's ah. true. It's true crime drama j r a m a at gmail.com. But I also have an Instagram at true crime underscore drama. It's the same name, but there's an underscore separating the uh, true crime and the drama. You can DM me there, and try to if you don't mind. Just give me like a brief, uh, if you want to tell me about it, just get like a paragraph. I've had a couple of people that are really excited to hear cases they want to hear, but they send me like this long of a message and um, I try very hard to read it all thoroughly, but I have a lot maybe, going on. Maybe it would help if you get a gigantic size cell phone, you know, <laughs> it, it would. would... It would help because the uh, surface area would be larger for my eyes to absorb all of the information at one time. I'm but, I'm doing so much more reading now with my new cell phone, but it's not intentional. I'm just <laughs> my, my eyes are getting so much. Folks, we appreciate you listening to Failure to Stop. Uh, I know this was a little bit of an unconventional episode, yeah. but uh, they say if you want to grow a podcast, you're supposed to team up with people. Well, we're teaming up with ourselves in a weird way since Jake's on Thursday night. and I don't know. Anyway. We're a whole family of podcasts, a loving, trusting family, just like <laughs> the ads that appear at BTK Killer websites. 
Uh, but on Sunday night, <laughs> nice call back for anyone that remembers that. So, <laughs> Sunday night, you get uh, your conspiracy theories. You want to hear more about who knows what about JFK's assassination. Go over there. Listening to conservative ants on Sunday night, talking talking true crime conspiracies on Monday night. Eric does comedy reactions to the world to the real and police world on uh, Tuesday. We're always here for true crime. We will never leave you like some other previous true crime podcast hosts have left you. On uh, Wednesday, Dead Legs get all the news you need so that you don't sound like some kind of asshole. Kendra just left. Goodbye forever, Kendra. On uh, Thursdays, illegal shift. Uh, we're uh, you want reactions to just what what just happened in the playoffs. If you want to learn a little bit more about sports so that you can maybe when you're hanging around with the guys, not sound like you know nothing about that. Or if you like sports or if you just like me or Keith or Jake or whoever, you know, come hang out on Thursday night. It's a fun time. Friday night's the big show, the big case breakdowns. Uh, we like breaking down what's going on in uh, the police world. We appreciate you listening to all the shows. If you're listening to us uh, on Spotify, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. Turn on the automatic downloads if you're new to the show and you haven't ever turned that on. Automatic downloads is something that really helps us help us bump up our numbers so that Ghostbed and others can see that it makes sense for them to advertise here because people are listening. If you're on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, that really helps us just because iTunes, Apple Podcasts is kind of where uh, everything happens for podcasts. If we want to grow in the charts, you've kind of got to do it there. You can follow us um, on uh, YouTube. If you haven't hit our like and subscribe already to keep up with uh, everything that's going on here, you could do that. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us here on YouTube. But, you know, if it bothers you, the military industrial complex deciding what you like to think and enjoy, you can also go over to Rumble. It's just like some kind of green YouTube. We have all the same stuff over there. You can follow us anytime. Uh, we appreciate you. And uh, on behalf of Kendra and Jake, stay safe, make good decisions, whatever, man. True yeah. crime. Don't get yourself true crime. Make good decisions. Um, Don't assassinate any presidents or federal judges or anyone. To, to, our, to, the, FBI or agent, to the FBI agent listening to the show, do not harm any public officials. Remember, we are a country of law and order. And uh, <laughs> Or full that? send. Just do what you want. Yeah, whatever. do whatever you want, man. Whatever. Just don't, when they arrest you, just don't tell them that we told you to do it. That's the most <laughs> important thing. Don't yeah, be a we, narc. Don't be some Oswald type person saying, I'm just a patsy for Kendra who told me to go out and do this, you know. But if you wanted to mention somebody, it could be Kendra and not me. Don't be a patsy for me. That sounds, I don't like that. Don't be a patsy. <laughs> you could mention Jake because he's not even a real person, so. Don't be a Charles and get caught. Yeah, don't get caught. And if you do get caught, definitely escape. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. Kendra's a bit of a giggle puss. Guns up. Bye, whatever. Bye, whatever. Good night, America.